Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. We want to welcome everyone that's watching online. Um, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, the roads were uh, treacherous coming in for me. Um, there's still some very bad spots. So if you happen to get out today, if you need to get out today, be very careful. But we're grateful that you're listening online, watching online, and that we're together um, uh, in spirit. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up to Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And his will be assigned to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away, from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's pray, and let's pray especially today for those that may be isolated. We had people in our congregation that have lost loved ones this year, and this time of year can be very difficult for some people. So let's pray especially today um, for those that may be struggling uh, with isolation or with uh, just feeling blue. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day to celebrate your incarnation, your son Jesus Christ's birth. And Lord, we thank you for what that means, that it means as we trust in you and believe in you, that we can have that gift of salvation, that we can have a peace that transcends our circumstances, a peace that goes all the way into eternity, that will allow us to fellowship with you forever in heaven. And we thank you for that, Jesus, and we thank you for making that possible. And Lord, we pray today for those that are at home that you would just encourage and strengthen them. We pray that they would be bolstered in their faith, Lord, and encouraged today. 
And Lord, we pray for our loved ones that may not know you. Lord, we pray that they would be saved, that they would come to know you. And I pray that you would help us to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel message with those that are lost. Lord, we pray for those that might be hurting, that are isolated or um, that are cut off. Lord, we pray that you would bring them into the fellowship and bring encouragement to them. We pray that your Holy Spirit would comfort them. You'd bring comfort to their households and to their hearts as individuals. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. We pray that you would be with us now, that you'd be glorified in all that we say and do, that you would be well-pleased in our worship, Lord. We ask this, praying that your will be done. We ask it with thanksgiving in our heart. We ask it delighting ourselves in you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah.
Boy, I tell you what, the older I get, the more uh, these times I realize just how important presence is as opposed to presence, right? Just spending time with people. And, and I, I thought today there'd be three people here today, and I, I praise God for everybody that, that did come out and, and brave the roads. And, and uh, we love worship, worshiping with you online, so we welcome here as well. But um, thank you, praise team and sound team and everybody that came and worked on, on Christmas. Um, man, I don't know about you, but I just, I just want to give him glory today. Praise his name, right? And there's nothing better than doing that with family. So I love it. All right, turn in your Bibles, 1 John 1, 1 John chapter 1. That's not John, 1 John, right? That's right before, a little bit before Revelation, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, uh, Jude, Revelation. So it's towards the end of your Bibles, but we're going to be in chapter 1. We're also going to be in John chapter 1, just to confuse you a little bit. I figured that'd be great. But uh, we've been looking at different texts that tell the story of the Christmas events, and Pastor Doug read the main one this morning. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we started off with John the Baptist. Remember, there was silence for four, over 400 years, and the silence was broken, and, and we heard about John the Baptist who's, who was coming to prepare the way for the Messiah. And then we looked at the announcement to the shepherds and what that meant. You know, God chose the shepherds of all people to make that great announcement. And then last week we looked at the story of the wise men. This morning we're not going to be looking at a text that tells the story of what happened at Christmas, but instead, what does Christmas mean? What does Christmas mean for us today? Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? 1 John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your revelation to us. Lord, I pray that right now you would calm all of our hearts and minds and be with us during this time. We pray that we would turn our attention and our focus to you. Lord, as Pastor Doug prayed, we know that this is a difficult time for many people because it reminds us of the people that are not here with us. Lord, I pray that you would bring comfort and peace as only you can. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be people who just say this, but we would be agents of that grace, agents of that peace to our friends and family members around us, to, to those maybe strangers that you put into our paths. Lord, give us opportunities to share, to share the story of a God come down to man to save them. Father, we love you. 
We give you all honor and praise on this day and every day. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. In this passage, there are three things that uh, remind us of what Christmas means, and I want to go through those. It's, it's very easy at Christmas time to just start going with the flow and get all caught up in all the things that we have to get done, right? There's a million things going on, parties, gifts. Uh, you have to do this, do that, get everything straightened out. And, and today I just pray that we would be able to stop. Stop for an hour. Stop for 30 minutes. I don't mean to scare you. This won't last an hour. Stop for 20, 30 minutes and just be focused in on him and be reminded of what Christmas is really about. So the first thing that we need to remember and be reminded of is that salvation is by grace, right? Do you see how how John talks about Jesus? It's very similar to the gospel account of John chapter 1. In John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Jesus was called the Word. In the passage today, he's referred to as the Word of life. The Word of life was with the Father from the beginning. Verse 2, the life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it, and we, we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now, here we aren't being told that Jesus Christ has life or even gives life, but we're being told today that he is life. And not just life, right? He is eternal life. This, this is what we can point to that separates all the major religions from Christianity, right? Every other religion has a founder who says, hey, it, this is the way to eternal life. If you do this, or you climb this mountain, or if you're good enough, or you do that, you can find eternal life, right? But Jesus proclaims, I am the way, right? I am the truth, and I am the life in John 14. According to Christmas, Jesus Christ is God come to save us. To know him is to know eternal life, right? In verse 1, John says, we have seen with our own eyes, our hands have touched, and this is what we proclaim concerning the word of life. Bob Yarborough is a New Testament scholar, Greek scholar, uh, history scholar, and he said this about this passage. He said, the variety of verbs corresponds to the variety of witness attestations in ancient jurisprudence. And so when John writes, we have heard it, seen it, we have touched it, and testify to it, he is not making conversation, but he is virtually swearing a deposition. What John's trying to say here is it's not just a nice story, right, that we believe or that we think about this Jesus, right? He's testifying that God has come in the form of Jesus, right? He's not just a man. He's not just a wonderful teacher, as our world says. He, he's God. And by knowing him, you know eternal life. You can be saved by grace. That moves us into the second meaning. Christmas means that you can have fellowship with God. Verse 3, we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. My friends, it's not just enough to believe in God. 
It's not just enough to obey God, right? Get this. Christmas means that God has gone through great lengths. Miraculous lengths. Infinite lengths to come near to us so that we can come near to him, so that we can have relationship with him. God is not content with being a powerful force that you bow down to. We know that because he became a human so that we could have fellowship with him. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but let me give you an illustration. If you were to try and look at the sun on a clear day, what would happen? You'd burn out your retinas, right? Or you'd have those white spots that you couldn't see. Or maybe you'd squint your eyes enough that you'd see this this blurry image of the sun. At best, the sun's glory is too great to look at. And you can just kind of see a blur, sort of an image of it. If you really want to see the glory of the sun, though, what do you need? You need some kind of filter, Right? You need something between you and the sun so that you can look at it clearly. Something that will enable you to see it. Right? You want to see the true glory of the sun? You can't just look at it. You won't see all those sun flares and all the, the surface of the sun, right? all that fire and everything like that. You need to look at it through something. It's the same way with God. Charles Wesley, brother of John Wesley, wrote a hymn, Hark the herald angels sing, right? And there's a line that goes, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. It's great theology, man. We, we, we miss out on some theology w- without these hymns, right? He didn't say because God is veiled in flesh, we can't see the Godhead. He said because he's veiled in flesh, we can see the Godhead. Get this, right? Because God has become a human being, we get to see his glory in a way that we would not normally be able to see because it would overwhelm us and kill us, right? Remember Moses asked God to see his glory? Remember how that went right? He's like, you can't, you'll die, Moses, right? And so he tucks Moses in the cleft of the rock and he puts his hand over and shields him and then he passes by. John 1.14 says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, right? When we, when we read the gospel accounts, we see it, right? It's like looking at God through a filter in human form. You see his love, You see his humility. You see his brilliance. You see his wisdom. You see his compassion. All the attributes of God that we get a glimpse of in the Old Testament. We get a glimpse of in the Old Testament. We see it become clear in the Gospels. In our view of Jesus Christ, we can see God through that filter because we see his glory clearly. Remember John 14, 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? In Jesus Christ, my friends, we can come near to God. He becomes graspable. 
right? God in human form, we can touch him. We can talk to him. We can relate to him, right? We cannot miss this with Christmas because this is what it reminds us. God went through infinite lengths to get near to us, but he had to put on flesh. He had to put on a filter so that it could happen. He willingly veiled himself, right? He dwelt with us. He tabernacled with us. Philippians 2.6, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, something to be held on to, right? He was, he was veiled. He was born in humility, God with us, Emmanuel. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, it means we must also be willing to go through great lengths to come close to him. It's not enough just to believe in him. Many of us know there are things going on in our lives right now that are putting distance between us and him. Those things, those things have to stop, right? Those things have to go we need to lay those things down. Many of us have excuses like there's not enough time to draw near to him. Can we really say that, though? God forgive us. Christmas is a reminder that God wants to be close to you. Daniel Steele was a British Christian minister in the 18th century. He writes his friend a letter about his prayer life. This is what he says. Almost every week and sometimes almost every day, I feel a pressure of his great love that comes down on my heart in such a measure as to make me groan under an almost unsupportable plethora of joy. At such times, he has unlocked every compartment of my being and flooded them with all the light of his presence. The inner spot has been touched and its stoniness has been melted in the presence of Jesus, the one altogether lovely. That man's talking about his prayer life. I don't think I could say that about my prayer life. But I can say there are times when I feel his presence and I feel the glory of that, right, pushed down on me in a way that melts my heart and brings me to tears. I spent decades, decades sitting in these pews and in these chairs and, and I would experience times like that during some sermons every once in a while or during the praise and worship time every once in a while, right? And I didn't know that that was available more than that. I didn't even realize what was going on. But God was drawing near. His presence was drawing near and we could feel the weight of his glory. My friends, that's available to you all the time if you'll stop and draw near to him. I hope Christmas reminds you that God went through infinite lengths to get near you. He was humbled, humbled, born in a manger, right? Born to die. It's up to you, though, on how close you are to him. He's there. He's drawing near. Are you? My friends, if there's stuff getting in the way, you have to let go. You have to make a decision to surrender it all and draw near to him. 
Christmas shows us that God's not content to be some concept or something that you know far off. Christmas is a challenge. He drew near to us. Will we draw near to him? Last point. Christmas means love really matters. The secular world will tell you that this is all there is to life. Once this is over, it's all over, right? You're just physical matter, no soul, no spirit, and you're just here by natural selection. Francis Crick, Nobel-winning scientist, said in his book, The Astounding Universe, you, your joys and your sorrows, your memories and your ambitions, your sense of personal identity and free will are all, in fact, no more than the behavior of a vast assembly of nerve cells and their associated molecules. I'm glad nobody said amen on that. If you're a secularist, though, this is what you have to believe. If there is no soul, no spirit, then all the feelings that you have, right, all the thoughts like love matters or people matter, right, they're just chemical responses. And they just make you say and feel that way. You may believe that individuals matter, but science in the secularist view will tell you that they don't. The only thing that matters really are the strong ones, right? The weak should die off so that the strong ones can continue, so the species can grow strong, right? So you may feel like love matters, taking care of people matters, but secularly speaking, it doesn't. They don't. Here's my point, though. A lot of people will claim that that's their truth, that this is all there is, that love is just a chemical reaction, right, in the brain. But here's the thing. Nobody lives that way when it comes down to it. Nobody truly lives that way. Nobody lives that way that says love does not matter, right? People aren't important. The weak should die off. No one lives of those that... Though no one lives as though these thoughts and feelings are just chemical reactions in our brain, right? We can say that they do. People can believe and tell themselves that they do, but they don't. Christmas, though, tells us that what your heart intuitively already knows is true. It's true because Christmas shows love is not something that just happened inside the human brain, right? But love pre-existed the world. Love created the world. Love is redeeming the world, right? The passage we read today, plus John chapter 1, plus John 5, John 17, all give us a look into the Trinity and explain it, right? That was the whole reason for John's gospel, He wanted to prove the Trinity, prove that Jesus was, in fact, God, right? Because there was a a faction that said he wasn't. In these passages, passages, though, we see God and Jesus, the Word, existing together. The Son was with the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, Every other religion says that God is a force and a unipersonally force, a being that just created, right? If that's true, that being couldn't know love, though, in the beginning. He'd have to wait till something was created to know love, right? 
So, and, and then these other religions where God is this unipersonal force, right? Love could not come into, come into existence till after. But only Christianity claims that God lives in community. One God, three persons, and those three persons have been knowing and loving each other from the very beginning, right? Which means that love was before this world came into existence, before mankind came into existence. That means that we all come from a God who not only knows love, but is love, right? And that's why it makes sense that God came down to redeem this world that he loves and cares for us, right? And that's what we can be reminded of at Christmas. Why did God veil himself and come to this earth? Redemption. The relationship was broken. We, we existed in the garden face to face with God and we rejected him. But that wasn't the end of the story, right? He pursues after us and he continually does that today because he loves us. In 1961, Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin orbited the Earth. Nikita Khrushchev, which was the premier of Russia at that time, says, we Russians are atheists and we have even more evidence now for atheism because we sent a man into the heavens and there is no God there. C.S. Lewis was still alive at this time and he wrote a little essay uh, in response called The Seeing Eye. And he said, think about it, right? If there was a God, you wouldn't relate to God the way a person who lives on the first floor relates to a person who lives on the second floor or the third floor or the penthouse, right? You can't just go up a floor and find God. Khrushchev was thinking that if we're on the first floor and we send a man to the second floor because there was nobody home, that that proves that there was no God, nobody up there. Lewis said, though, that's not how you'd relate to them. Instead, you'd relate to him as Shakespeare would Hamlet, right? You see, Shakespeare created Hamlet. And the only way that Hamlet would know something about Shakespeare would be if Shakespeare wrote something into the story, if Shakespeare would reveal something to Hamlet. That's the only way. Hamlet just can't go into the rafters, can't just go up a level and find, find God God would have to reveal himself to him. Shakespeare would have to reveal himself in writing something about him. And Lewis said, ah, but God did something so much better than just write some information into our stories, right? Dorothy Sayers, one of the first women to graduate from Oxford, she was a writer of mystery novels and detective stories. Her favorite character was Lord Peter Whimsey, and he solved all sorts of mysteries. In the middle of all these novels about him, he was a, song, he was a, a single man, but suddenly a, a woman appeared in the story in his life. Her name was Harriet Vane, and she just happened to be one of the first women to graduate from Oxford. She just happened to be a writer of detective fiction. She and Peter met, solved a couple of mysteries together, and then they fell in love and lived happily ever after. Many people recognize that Dorothy Sayers looked into the world she created, at the man she created, and fell in love with him and wrote herself into the story. She saw this man was lonely and he needed help. He needed somebody to save him. 
So she wrote herself into the story. My friends, that's Christmas. That's Christmas. Christmas shows us that there's a God who created this world, right? Saw us go astray. Saw that we needed helped. We were in a mess. He looked at us. He looked at this world he created. He loved both. And so he wrote himself into the story, right? Into our lives. The creator reveals himself to the creation in the flesh so that we can see all the glory that he is, right? An intent to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. My friends, that's Christmas. That's what we remember today. There's a barrier between us and God. Everyone understands that. When you wrong somebody right, it puts a wall, it puts a wedge in between you and somebody else until it's dead with, dealt with. My friends, we rejected God. And this is God dealing with the barrier. This is why he came John finished this passage and he says, we write this to make our joy complete. This is what we celebrate today. There is a God who wrote himself into our story and we celebrate his birth and we remember as he came. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for what today represents and what we're called to remember we remember that God came down and revealed himself to his creation in order to save us. And Father, we give you all praise and honor and glory for that. Father, there is a dark world out here. Lord, would you give us an opportunity to go out there, to go out into it, and to bring your light to people. Lord, would you put somebody in our path this very week, somebody looking to know you, that we can share the good news, that we can share our testimony of what you've done in our lives. Lord, use us. Lord, help us to see what you're doing and be a part of that. Lord, we give you all praise and honor and glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.